Do you love thrillers? Then acclaimed filmmakers Joel and Ethan Cohen deliver their most gripping and ambitious film to date with this supercharged action thriller. Of course, the film that we are talking about this week is No Country for Old Men. This stunning cat and mouse chase film is near perfection, and we will tell you why we love it so much more each time we watch this classic film. Get ready for the chase to begin. It's flawless. Welcome to Adult Beverage Podcast, where we will be talking films, new and old. He's looking at you, kid. Think the fly thing. Did we just become best friends? Yep. As well as anything else in the entertainment world, while enjoying an adult beverage in hand. Welcome back to Adult Beverage Film Podcast. I mean, we're excited to be on here with everybody today, and we've got a special guest with us today. We want to introduce T-Bone to the show. So, Welcome to the show, T-Bone. Good to be here. Awesome. Thanks for coming on. And we've got on today's show, we've got uh, over on our audio engineer working over there hard at his, uh, <laughs> well, he's just he's working on something this hard. We're not sure why, but know, uh, Squeaker Carl Hamrick over there. I, I don't know how to follow that up, so I'll just say hi. Yeah. Shower. And yeah. we've also got Laura Truman hanging out. Hello. And Patrick, I'm so good. G. Keenan also is with us today. Yeah. Good is his middle name because he's the goodest. It's the goodest. (laughs) And I'm Kent Smith. (laughs) And today we're going to take on this lovely film called No Country for Old Men. So, Mm. look, I mean, this film is a classic in my mind, and I think it's just almost perfection. So I'm going to say that right up front. But let's get your uh, thoughts on everyone and start out with T-Bone. What do you think about this film? And tell us if you like it or hate it and tell us why you like it or hate it. So. I mean, I, I I love the movie. I'm not I'm not going to say I love every single Coen Brothers movie, but I do. I mean, I just love the kind of independent film style and all that kind of stuff. But I, I was a big fan of the book. Um, I went. I was in college when I read it, and a friend of mine was a big Cormac McCarthy, and just kind of plopped this, you know, um, book, and I, you know, and I read it, and it was amazing. And then it wasn't long. I think after that that I. You know, heard that they were going to make a, a movie out of it, and I wouldn't. I don't. I mean, I definitely had watched, you know, uh, Fargo. It, I was in college, so The Big Lebowski was this sort of weird tradition amongst college students at that time. And I loved that, and you know, I'd seen Raising Arizona. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure I'd seen like Miller's Crossing. I wasn't deep into like the Barton Fink or like Hudsucker Proxy or any of that kind of stuff. But that one's my um, favorite. Uh, it's. I mean, I've <laughs> gone back and watched them. Uh, I was a big, you know, no brother, but I think they kind of made a couple kind of stinkers right before it. If I, if I Hell remember yeah. right, like, like what came out, it was like, what was the Tom Hanks one? Like lady killers, or lady, something? Killers, lady killers, uh-huh. which was yeah. kind of fun. Give it a little hey. tiny bit of credit, but it wasn't as fun as it should have been. I think that's one of the things that I happens with it. the Coen brothers. Oh. I think they either hit a home run or they, you know, hit a, Subpar one and what was that other one? Burn after reading. That right. one was yeah. like a <laughs> yeah. Hated it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I agree. You know, uh, and then they but they did make some good one. Miller's Crossing is a good film that they did early I love, on. I mean, you know, we're Miller's talking is my about favorite. Eight, Miller's Crossing. 
Yeah, we were talking about HBO Max earlier. You know, they, when they kind of rebranded to the Max, they added a bunch of these kind of TCM curated things or whatever. And um, I got to rewatch, I mean, Blood Simple, which is just that's, a. Oh, if if you're like a movie, like I, you know, I, I kind of work in the film world a little bit and, you know, write a little bit and shoot a little bit. And if you want a great sort of Sam Raimi esque kind of story that's not more of like, you know, horror genre, um, I mean, it's just, it's, uh, and it's an amazing sort of like kind of how to get a film done. Blood Simple, yeah, yes, yeah. definitely. It's my second favorite uh, Coen Brothers movie. Miller's Crossing is the first. Yeah, I would try to think of you know where No Country you know ranks in the kind of Parthenon of uh, pantheon of you know Coens, but I, I don't, I don't, my mind doesn't really dwell on that stuff. I just know it's an all, it's an awesome movie. I'm a big, uh, you know, I grew up, you know, as a kid in the '80s, kind of watching a lot of action movies. So any, anytime there's you know blood and guts and, and drug deals gone bad and and you know dog chases i'm a big fan of dog chases so um and you don't always get a lot of dog chases in movies that's I mean, a, that's a rare a, thing you know as a dog, dog chase lover i feel like it's not really a you know it's an under uh, established population in movies but no it's um it's just kind of a kick-ass movie and there's just so many things about it that work um it's just a great movie i mean I mean, I mean, I'd never heard of like Harvey, like Harvey, you know, uh, how do you say his name? Uh, Bard- I'd never heard of Bardem, you know, before. Oh, Javier. Oh, yeah. Javier. Yeah. 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 Um, Javier. I, ne- I never heard of him. Um, and that was, kind of, he, his performance was, you know, sort of a revelation. I mean, I remember Josh Brolin from The Goonies. I mean, that was probably, yeah. I'm sure he made movies in between that. Young Riders. He was in The Young Riders. He's in a. He's he's in one of the one of my favorite movies out there to all time is a, a, a bitful, um, which was uh, I think a Spanish movie if I'm not mistaken. I, I'd have to look that one on myself. But Josh Brolin? Uh, no, no, um, Javier. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh. And, and so, <laughs> I was puzzled by that too. <laughs> yeah. So you know, with him, you know, he's just he's a phenomenal actor, and I think that's the thing about this is each person was so well cast, especially the three. You know, I, I call it the three amigos in this film. You had all three of these guys that were just phenomenal actors with Tommy Lee and and uh, you know Jeff Brolin and 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 they just their characters jumped out on the screen. It, who was your favorite? Well, let's get finished because we've got kind of you know uh, T Bone's um, you know his thoughts on it. Uh, Laura, what were your thoughts on this film? I love this movie. I think it is it's well done and it accomplishes things in unexpected ways like it leaves you with questions and that's okay like i normally in a movie i don't like to have questions at the end i like for things to be wrapped up and i want a neat story and whatever but this doesn't bother me you You usually want like a a resolution one resolution two right but this story starts in the middle and it ends in the middle and you're left to sort of draw your own conclusions about things. And I appreciate that about it. It's really, it's, it's eye-opening in a lot of ways. And it's beautifully shot. Oh. Beautifully shot. Yeah. And I know you were talking about the main actors doing such a good job. And they absolutely did. But I was really impressed with all the little actors, the little characters, because they really make it real. Right. Like the guy at the gas station and the lady so at the great. hotel with the big hair. And, oh, my God, they're just, they're so great. They're yeah. all so great. 
the lady at the trailer park uh, was great too. I mean, she. Yeah. Uh, yeah I loved her her character in that. It was just. Oh, and the mother, uh, his wife's mother, mm-hmm. oh, wife's so mother, is um, I, I question. Yeah, yes. I question <laughs> yes, sparkle motion uh, with a wig on. And yeah. Caleb Landry Jones was in it as one of the two bicycle boys. The one who didn't give him his shirt is uh, Caleb Landry Jones, the brother from uh, Get Out. Oh. Oh. Mm-hmm. He was also yeah. in Breaking Bad. And uh, all right, yeah. Good, so, good, so good Patrick, what's, what's your what's your thoughts on it? So, um, you know, I watched it three times this week, and it's just not not quite my tempo. Not mm. quite my tempo. Uh, it's well done. I think the acting's great. I love the cinematography. There's a few too many dead dogs in it for me. Uh, yeah. Is that what takes you out of the like, story? Like three too many? Honestly, it does. I I have trouble watching the first John Wick, but the rest of the movie doesn't happen if that one dog doesn't die. Right. Uh, right. This one just was like, let's kill a few more dogs. Throw some more dogs in there. Mm-hmm. I don't know who that is. It's Jack Rodney. Warner. <laughs> uh, hey, you know what this movie needs is more dead dogs. Uh <laughs> I just thought it was, uh, I think it's a good movie, but it just doesn't blow me away the way. I, I feel like you guys like it so much better than I am. And I tried this week. I watched it. I'm like, oh, nope, still not. It sounds like you tried really it. hard. Yeah, three times, like, is a, three times. Three times. That's a yeah. good, obviously. Uh, didn't, you gave it the old college try. Obviously, sure. it was did, good enough for you like to watch it, it three times. So I didn't like good. it. I watched Prometheus six times, and you know how much I hate oh, that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh, what a stop piece of doing shit. that. You Suck should up. stop doing that. Well, you I don't understand like it. You don't like it. It's not going to change your mind. I no. want to. I want to just. Oh God! And I watch Cloverfield like twenty times, and I still hate that movie. Uh, oh, stop, sometimes stop I want to understand that. why I don't like a movie. I want to understand why I don't like something and why people do. And sometimes it just never. Well, I think that's the thing out. about cinema is that everybody's got a different way that they enjoy films and a style of films they like. And if it's not something in your wheelhouse, it's not going to be, you're not going to change your but mind. But meanwhile, a movie like uh, Hell in a Hard Place. Hell in a Hard Place? Hell, Hell in High Water? Hell in High Water. The one yeah. with Chris Pine? Or yeah. High I, thought that was, yeah. I thought that was fucking brilliant. Oh, yeah. It's in that same vein. Yeah, of, it, 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 these are sort of similar, and I think that's a very good comparison. They are similar, but that films. was a full story to me. And this one, and I understand it doesn't have to be a full story, but I didn't really root for anybody in it except. Yeah, for, it's hard to get uh, behind anybody in this movie. Yeah, I mean, even except though Tommy Llewellyn, Lee Jones. Well, he's the protagonist in this film, and so yeah, and, you know, and, but you still feel like, well, he's just kind of saying cowboyish type of. West Texas things yeah. throughout the movie. He's all going to drink this glass of water or glass of milk. And I'm like, oh, that's so <laughs> there is some There is some little cheesy <laughs> things in it that, you know, when you watch it two or three times. But I think, you know, if you get past those kind of things, like, you know, I think the story itself, I, I, I the only flaw that I have with the, the film is the ending and it, because it doesn't have like a resolution one, resolution two type kind that's of like ending. That's like the book. Right? Yeah. But the other side of it is I love the fact that it's open like that and it leaves you your mind to be, you know, interpretive of the film and then go back and pick up on why he does this all the way through. But, that, you know, everyone's got a different view. And Squeaker, what was your thoughts on it? Um, I, I love it. I, I think it's a great movie. I would agree that there are some things about it that I don't love as much. And it's definitely not my favorite Coen Brothers movie. But, yeah, I think it's a great movie. And I, I want to add, too, that I think... The, the main characters are great. The side characters are great. But then also you have 
like the state of Texas is almost a character mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. Um, and I think, I think just the use of the whole Texas landscape and, and just the whole, you know, everything about Texas just fits right in. Well, Except I, I thought I, it took place in New Mexico for some reason. Was some of it shot what, in New Mexico? It's like West Texas. Is uh, what it's this sort is. of the same thing. It's yeah. West, yeah, it's Marfa. Yeah. Because you know. I, I, I had read and that's that Tommy where, Lee Jones talked them into using places in West Texas. For well, he's movies, from so actually from that area, Tommy Lee. So this was Which means of, they were probably shooting mm-hmm. in, oh, I think Las Vegas, New Mexico is where they shot some of this movie. Yeah, I don't know where the actual location. Uh, it would have to be it's a beautiful country. to check it out. But, um, filled yeah. with dead dogs, but it's a beautiful country. <laughs> well, and I think they used it very well. And, and you know, this is a, this is a difference, um, and, and we can no see where, dogs, where the issue is. Them. I think we can see the issue that Patrick has with the film. It's the dogs. So remove the dogs, <laughs> and this is... Well, they uh, used the same dead dog two, two times. Yeah, well, I'm look, man, exact. we paid for the dog. Yeah. We're going to use it. All right. Yeah. No, but I was talking. I was talking about like this this movie and going on this podcast talking about it. And um, you know, we were having this conversation about a buddy of mine really doesn't like sort of bleak ending movies. You know, he goes to the movie he likes. You know, you know, even even movies where the the hero doesn't necessarily like win. Like you know, one of his favorite movies is Rocky. Like. You know, even though Rocky doesn't win, it's sort of this uplifting tale of, you know, like if you put in the hours and you work, you're, you know, you'll get these dreams and your life will be better. Where this movie is sort of the opposite of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's sort of yeah. like you don't mean anything. Uh, life is futile. Why bother waking up? <laughs> and like, and. Yeah. Yeah. For some exactly. reason, I love, I, for some reason, I love that. I don't know why, but like. I, I think because, you know, and this fits into the independent film aspects of it that it can be anything you want it to be and it's and there's no predetermined I want musical yeah there's no predetermined <laughs> it, can't be that. It, can't, it can't be that there's although no, this would be a good musical to me well let's, let's be honest about this there's, i would see that watch the writers of hamilton I, here's the great part about this film that no one is we haven't brought up and i'm sure it's gonna it would come up but i'm gonna go ahead and throw it out there Dead is dog. no score in this whole film now this no. is when you know you have a good film you yeah. don't even have to have a. There's nothing, nothing. The only, you know what? The only thing in this that you hear is, you hear the rustle of the the wind blowing. That is the only part of the thing that they use at all. As a, as a, there is no score throughout this entire film, and that goes back. And I've talked about this on other episodes. A really good script and a really good film doesn't need those things. You can tell when there's issues with films, they have to cover it by putting a lot more music in it and doing stuff to cover it. And it's, it's, it, you know, you want that to use the highlights, but that shows how good this film is. I mean, I don't know of any other film out there that's basically done this. I mean, I silence. know. Silence. The silence. <laughs> wait, wait. The Quiet Place might have done quiet it. Quiet Place. No, I mean, yeah. literally, uh, literally, the silence, uh, uh, it's called The Silence. Yeah. But, uh, there's no score at all to the movie, and it's uh, it makes it seem longer. It does. It can either make it seem it can make it seem longer or shorter, depending on if, how good your you know your product is. Um, you know, this is a chase film. Like, I mean, you think about this. This is a chase film. It's a horror film. It's a comedy. It's a western. It's yeah. not a really like one. There's not like one thing in this that go you go oh this is a comedy or this is a horror or th- it, it's got all this stuff built into it. Which it hits so many different buttons. It's so versatile. You guys didn't find the violence just uh, 
a little bit too much. I thought it was so. I, I thought it was so well done. Uh, like one of the scenes that really stands out to me of like you know you've got a violent film, and you want to show how uh, you know Javier's character is so like absolutely crazy, sociopath, a sociopath. The one thing, if you remember the scene where the Mexicans were in the the hotel room and the way he pulled the curtain and then shot through the curtain. Yeah, uh, he didn't just, want to get blood on him. Which was like not blood. only that, but it was just the fact of great directing of covering something as well as taking out an issue and having to show it. You know, you still yeah. had the same impact. But the very first scene, you know, where he kills... That was the major scene, and of you know showing him, and I thought that scene was priceless. The fact of him, you know, strangling the strangling uh, the cop, the cop, oh. and then his feet. Okay, okay. marks on that. I have I have issue with that scene. What piece? <laughs> Tell of us shit, what your issue is, Patrick. What piece of shit deputy goes? I'm going to leave the guy with the cuffs behind me. Yeah, right behind me, sitting call. in a chair. Well, I'm I think in you're a in a chair. small. I believed it because I think you're in a small town mentality there's not they're not used to seeing that you know the guys even been, andy griffith and and barney <laughs> yeah. would stick the guy in the in the cell right and then that's, the the chief. that's not so, the question i have about that scene how did he get I, the handcuffs off <laughs> well no how did how oh, did he get arrested a big we, know, we know him as this like psychopath how did that one deputy arrest him to begin with yeah how did he even get him in the car he coerced him with beef jerky <laughs> well that would get me you know it was all and it wouldn't work for me it was all the start <laughs> of the film and that's you know how it comes into it i i didn't have any questions with that i, I believed enough in it and okay you know i was just like you're the stupidest deputy <laughs> i'm so glad i am not you're not my deputy small town deputies are very trusting yeah and i really didn't believe that and maybe he got pulled for his cuffs down and around because he's a big guy he's yeah a he is a really big dude with a haircut yeah. <laughs> dorothy hamill haircut that is awesome well let's talk about the haircut <laughs> was that not the best uh, prop on set I mean, because yeah. that's, that's a prop. No, that's that's my. Question. That was, that, that was actual real hair. real hair. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they cut it that way. Yeah, they cut the, it for it, but like it's it was priceless in it. You know, the the story, and I'm not an actor, but like the story is, what, he was having trouble kind of finding that character, and then you know they sat him down in wardrobe and had him that haircut, and he was like, yeah, okay, I know who this guy is. I don't know what it is about that haircut, but there is something about that haircut <laughs> that is so it's terrifying. Fucking. It's fucking creepy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And the funny thing is when they when the Coens offered him the role, he goes, I don't speak English. Well, I don't drive a car. I don't like violence. And they went, That's why we want you. Yeah. And yeah. then and then they showed him the haircut they were gonna give him and he goes, I'm not going to get laid for three months. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, after this it would be tough to to wanna have to sleep with him, because uh, he's so good in this character. Um, yeah, he's well, a little scary. I'll just think of mother if I don't want to think of him. Yeah, you uh, know, as a sexy man. Well, and and just think shit about that movie. Was. Oh, anyway, you also had another killer in this film too, which was Woody Harrelson. And you know, he was a killer. I thought he was a day trader. Woody Harrelson in this? No, he's, a, he's sort of he's sort of a more common sense version of Chigurh or whatever. Yeah, he he's, he it, says yeah. he's a day trader, which is the funny right, thing. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. So you have that little lightheartedness that comes in, you know, for it, uh, which makes 
Javier's character even more intense because you've got you're showing like the two sides of how this could you know how you know basically hired killers can play. Which one was your favorite though to watch? Was it hold on, hold on. Well, we're still on that point. Here's another question I have with the movie. So Woody Harrelson's another uh, another uh, killer, yeah. Yes. We we assume he has a a set of skills, and he found yes. Llewellyn. He found Llewellyn, no problem. In three hours, that. without three hours, the tracker. Right. Had no idea though that Anton was coming. It's just something to think about. Well, like he was out to actually track killer. him, not the packet. He wasn't there to. Oh, fight. so he couldn't multitask. That, he was there to up. kill. <laughs> Uh, Javier's character, so that was his whole reason for being there. wasn't to, um, you know, find the money. I'm sure part of that is to find the money, but the whole thing is to find him and kill him. I mean, he did such a good job letting him follow him up the stairs. Like he did, <laughs> yeah. yes, yes. <laughs> well, at that point, you know, you're you've been played because he's behind him and knew it, you know, and and um, yeah. And you guys did not find. Actually, I forgot what point you were about to make, Kent. So I'm going to ask a different one. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> with all the with all the graphic violence in the movie, when Llewellyn gets killed off screen, it didn't bother you guys at all. Were you just like, oh, oh yeah, yeah that bothered me that. tremendously that okay. we didn't well, get a final showdown. Well, the idea I think behind that point, whether or not it lands, you know, you know, with the audience is the like the whole like part of the idea is like you know this like a lot of actions you take in life just don't simply matter. And one of the one of the things I think they're trying to say with that just glimpse is like, yeah, we're following this character, you know, throughout this movie. And it's like a big thing in what like a TV show like Walking Dead or Game of Thrones or whatever. Like you get an on screen death because it means something to like. But I think one of the whole points of the of the movie, and then you know, like go to this title like No Country for Old Men, is that like there's this futility to life that a lot of times we don't you know necessarily. And I don't want to editorialize this like a, some film class, but. Like that's part of the reason that, and if you read the book, it's just a, a kind of a flash in the book as well. And whether or not that works, um, I think it uh, it works for me. But I can definitely see if you're kind of rooting for you know the Josh Brolin character, and all of a sudden you just get this little shaky kind of handheld shot behind Tommy Lee Jones, and yeah, it kind of sucks. Yeah, and I, and I think that's the case because you're you start to, you do start to root for his character. And you start to think that he's the protagonist, but he's not the protagonist in the film. No. And it's really the journey of Tommy Lee Jones from his start of, I've been doing this for 25 years, you know, in this small town, and my life has kind of developed and it's come to this point. And now then, these other people are basically there to tell his story. And that's, I think the thing about it that I think is great is the fact that that's the case. And it's not, these others are not the, you know, the pushing, uh, you know, main characters. They're part of it, but they're not the, the main story. And the main story is Tommy Lee's progression from being, you know, working to being retired. So, you know, each person, I think, can comes with a, a different um, color, if it might be, in this situation. And you've got, you know, it's hard not to pull for Josh's character because you do like him and he's so good in his character. I thought he was amazing in it. And he's plus he's a he's a good he's a goodish man. Granted, he, he goes away with two million dollars that isn't his from a, a drug deal gone bad. But uh, when the yeah. chick asks him about uh, a beer, yeah. he goes, "Oh no, I'm waiting for my uh, wife." And yeah. she goes, "Well, you know, beer is just beer." He goes, I know what beer leads to, and she goes, <laughs> "Beer leads to more beer." 
Yeah. And he's just like, <laughs> he just kind of makes this face and you're like, oh, I guess he is a good man. He lives in a shithole. And yeah. uh, what is he? A, wilder, a welder? Yes, yep. he's a welder. Yeah. He's yeah. a welder. Kind of like the a first time I welder. saw it, I thought he was a, I thought he was a, a lawman because he had a big hat and a gun. And then I remembered it was Texas. <laughs> Yeah, Patrick. And, and everyone that, has everyone has a big hat. Yes, yeah, true. And I got big hat and a gun. How much? Sixty-nine. See, and the gas. Y'all getting any rain up here, way? What way would that be? I seen you was from Dallas. What business is it of yours? Where I'm from, friendo? I didn't mean nothing by it. Didn't mean nothing. Just passing the time. If you don't want to accept that, I don't know what else I can do for you. Might be something else. I don't know. Will there? <clears throat> Is something wrong? With what? With anything. Is that what you're asking me? Is there something wrong with anything? Will there be anything else? You already asked me that. Oh, well, I need to see about closing now. See about closing? Yes, sir. What time do you close? Now. We close now. Now is not a time. What time do you close? Generally around dark. At dark. You don't know what you're talking about, do you? Sir? I said... You don't know what you're talking about. What time do you go to bed? Sir? You're a bit deaf, aren't you? I said, what time do you go to bed? Oh. Somewhere around 9.30. I'd say around 9.30. I could come back then. Why would you be coming back? We'll be closed. Yeah, you said that. Well, I got to close now. You live in that house all back. Yes, I do. You lived here all your life? This is my wife's father's place uh, originally. You married into it? We lived in Temple, Texas for many years. Raised a family there in Temple. We come out here about four years ago. You married into it? <laughs> That's the way you want to put it. I don't have somewhere to put it. That's the way it is. What's the most you ever lost on a coin toss? Sir? The most you ever lost on a coin toss. I don't know. I couldn't say. Call it. Call it, yes. For what? Just call it. Well, we need to know what we're calling it for here. You need to call it. I can't call it for you. Well, it wouldn't be fair. I didn't put nothing up. Yes, you did. You've been putting it up your whole life. You just didn't know it. You know what date is on this coin? No. 1958. It's been traveling 22 years to get here. And now it's here. And it's either heads or tails. And you have to say, call it. Well, look, I need to know what I stand to win. Everything. How's that? 
is tend to win everything, call it. All right. Heads in. Well done. Don't put it in your pocket, sir. Don't put it in your pocket. It's your lucky quarter. Where do you want me to put it? Anywhere, not in your pocket. But it'll get mixed in with the others and become just a coin. Which it is. So what do you guys think happened to Lou Ellen's character? I mean, how do you think he died? He did. Well, I mean, who shot him? Who got him? <laughs> I, yeah, I still don't know. I, I, Even watching it again today, I don't really think I know. I mean, you see the cartel drive away. I guess Anton's in the in the closet there, right? Yeah, well, I don't. I think face, he comes back it? later. I think that's later. Yeah. When, uh, I think and that's a it's good the point. cartel that oh, kills yeah, that's true, Llewellyn. That's true. I and was because the yeah. mama told her, told them where they were going. And my question is on that: Is he there, or is it just the imagination that he was there at one time? And because when he goes into the room, he's not there. But there is that reflection in the in the little keyhole. So was he there or was he not there? I, yeah, that, that's a I, that was I the one thing that was kind yeah. of like. Kind of, but I thought it was also a very interesting. It added a, a ton of suspense to the scene because that's my probably one of my favorite scenes in the in the entire movie. Um, because you don't know whether he's going into the room with him in there or not. Mm-hmm. You talk about when Tommy Lee goes in. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Goes back and goes in. I assumed he was there, but I don't know why he would be there. Yeah, and that's the question. Well, and I he had turns to, on the lights, and he isn't there. Well, he had been there at some point because he went there to grab, and you could see that he had come gotten back the money out of the and gotten uh, the thing. money out of the uh, vent. the vent. Yeah. Yes. So, I, but it was a very un. You know, it's not the thing about this movie. It's got a lot of pieces like that. It, it gives you a lot of interpretation. They're not clear cut, uh, defined things. Um, I haven't read the book, so I can't say whether it was that way in the book, and that's kind of the the route they went. But I think that it adds to the suspense of the story, and that's the thing about this film is that it, it constantly, the angles and the pushes and stuff that goes on, it is, it's really interesting and, and keeps the story moving forward. Uh, uh, Squeaker, you had something that you were talking about earlier. Um, did we answer that question? Kind of. Yeah, that was it. Just kind yeah. of what happened there. So would it be? So do you think Llewellyn was in the room? The cartel comes in, kills him. They don't end up with the money, so Anton goes in after the aftermath to try to find it. Is that? Well, you know that that's a left open kind of thing. Where did the money go in the end? And my thoughts is that you know he went in and actually grabbed it out of the room. You know, because of scratch marks on the the vent. So he had removed it and he had the money with him. Now, when he got in the car wreck, what he did with the money, I have no idea. Because we never see what happens. But I don't think that's... I think it would go back to what uh, T-Bone was saying. It doesn't really matter. T-Bone. You know, it is... It's about the story itself is that these people have moved on and they're, you know... I mean, that's part of it. And, that, and that's part of the mystery behind this film. You know? Um, it's only a mystery if you care. 
Well, and, and we know that you don't care because of the dogs. And um, and by the Fucking way, dog killers. Yeah. Um, what, let's talk about the coin toss because it becomes a vital part of the movie. And until Mrs. Llewellyn goes, "Fuck you and your coin." She didn't say it like that, <laughs> but she said basically, "Fuck you and your coin." It's your say, right? But but in the end, he walks out and and he's checking his boots to see if he's so got he blood. Him. Yeah, yeah, so she was gone. So obviously right. the, the coin toss didn't work in her favor where it did at the gas station attendant, which is priceless. Um, a, a great scene of like putting your life by a coin toss. Did, let's ask this. Do you think it's that... It's the same thing Tommy Lee Jones did in Batman when he was Two-Face. <laughs> yeah. That is true. Batman forever. <laughs> Batman forever. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for Can the I, correct franchise entry. <laughs> they all blend together in my head. But he did. I remember that much. Tommy Lee Jones flipping his coin. Now, Val Kilmer, great Batman or greatest Batman? I'll let you decide. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know if we want to go there on that one. <laughs> There's so many better. He, he, I think he peaked in Real Genius. Anyway, back yeah. to Old Country for Oh, no top man. secret. Top secret. <laughs> yeah. Top secret. No, Real Genius was better. Come on. Tombstone, Tombstone. is the oh. best character he ever did. I'm sorry, in my opinion. That's his. I didn't know we were being serious. Yeah. T-Bone. What did you guys think of the cinematography in this film? Because I think it's beautiful. It's absolutely gorgeous, and there's nothing yeah. that's crazy, you know, but it it's always Dead moving. Um, yeah, you know, let's talk about that scene in the very beginning where there's the. Um, you know, the, the cartels laid out and they're all laid around the crime scene and there's the one guy still alive in the car. Uh, the cinematography in that was just, to me, was a, like perfect, you know. I thought Even before that, though, when he was looking at the, are those antelope that he was trying yeah, to shoot? Yeah, uh-huh. And the cloud cover going overhead, like yeah. throwing the shadow on them. Yeah, and I stuff. mean, it I just think looked- you could do, a, I think you could do a legitimate podcast on the, the cinematography of, not just this movie, but the you know the cinematographer Roger Deakins is just oh he's, yeah he's yeah. It, brilliant. If you want a if you want a good podcast, let's do other than this one. Yeah, there is um, it's called Team it's called Team Deakins and it's him and his wife and it is just um, it's it's, it's brilliant, brilliant. It's brilliant, and he's been doing. I mean, he's been doing. He's been what nominated? I don't know. He's won the last. I think he's won the last two. Is that correct? I think 19, so. He's a guy who shot nineteen seventeen, and then he kind of won yes. for Blade Runner. Yes. With, but I think previous to that, he'd been nominated something like 14 times. Yeah, I mean, never won. Mm-hmm. Something like crazy. You know, he shot, um, he shot, I think, 13 movies with the Coen brothers. He's mm-hmm. done the, the majority of their movies. And um, it's sort of a perfect fit. I mean, it's a very. Did he do easy, Miller's Crossing? No, that's no, a very Yeah. Um, oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So very Sonnefeld did the first three. I think he did. He did. You know, uh, Blood Simple, Raising Arizona, then Miller's Crossing. Then he went on to, you know, this is before Men in Black and all that stuff. But I think then he went on to direct. And I think, because um, what, is Barton Fink right after? Oh, this would be a after word, Miller's? Guess, after yeah. Miller's. I, I think so. That. Yeah, I think Barton think Fink he's was done, after. I think he's done every Cohen movie since um, Since, since After Fink. My Favorite. Well, the thing I think he does is, and, and it works for their style, especially when you think about, um, you know, a lot of the films they've done lately. Um, he, he he brings this kind of like real life. I mean, he first of all he was a he started out as a still photographer, uh, and he kind of 
developed and fell in love with the cinematography side and went into that route. He comes with this very simple making things look realistic. And that's the thing that works so great in this. You know, when you watch this, you feel that you're right there in West Texas. And he doesn't get in the way of trying. The one thing that I really love about his style of, of cinematography is that he never gets in the way of the story. He always makes it so it fits to the story. He still makes some shots. I mean, there's some beautiful shots in this. And you go back, and this film, what, what year was this made? I, I'm drawing a blank. 2007? Yeah, so, you know, it still yeah. absolutely fits right now. If, if you look at it from a visual standpoint, it fits with all the films being made right now. They're, it's right there, still gorgeous. and um, it, it, But he, he, gets, he doesn't get in the way of the story. And that's a great cinematographer. And, you know, I think the, the Coen brothers have a unique style of directing. I don't think that they do anything crazy. But they allow the best out of everybody around them. And that's what makes them good. And they are good chemistry together, the two brothers. They're, they're like one big head, you know, going into uh, any project. I mean, they are. They're just like, you know, they basically should have four arms on one head because that's it, how they think. Sort of like, it's, it's, they're sort of like dead ringer, you know? Dead yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I thought there was a, a, a interesting shot, the shot when they were in the trailer and there's the... Uh, um, Josh Brolin's character and his wife were sitting there. And, um, you know, the, the medicine cabinet shot was just a super cool, simple shot in a tight area. And he made something special out of it. And that's the difference between a great cinematographer and a, an average cinematographer is getting in those situations and then being able to create something that's very visual but still yet stays with the style. You know, he shot into the reflection of the, of the mirror and then the closing of the mirror and then how it changed. And just the way the camera moves in this is, to me, is, is I, I think that's one of the things that's overlooked in this film is how the camera moves to tell the story in this film. And that's why it keeps moving. You're never bored with it. You know, and, and that's one of the reasons, too, that you don't have to have a score because it's so visually beautiful while you're watching it. I told Jamin that this was a two-hour and two-minute-long movie, and he was like, "I don't want to watch that. <laughs> two hours." Blah, 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 blah. I I put it on, and he came in and started watching it, standing there like, "Hey, this looks pretty good. I think I'll sit down and watch it." <laughs> and those two hours, they just flew right by, and I didn't even realize that there was no music in it, and I've seen it several times. Yeah, it, it's it's funny because you get so caught into the characters and the story that you don't realize it. Um, and I think part of that too, you know, like he uses. Uh, there's a, a thing that they, and I don't know that they use it in all of the Coen Brothers movies because I don't think that's the case. But I do know it, notice it in this one um, more so than anything, and and uh, and that's Roger. But he does a, he will sit with a, a camera movement for a long time to start with. And then as the shots start to, um, the story starts to change, he'll move the camera. And then we'll start to notice a slow zoom in on the characters, which is really cool because you start to become, you feel that you're there. And, and by doing it in this, this rhythm that they create throughout this, you become like you're in the room with them. And I think that's the one thing that this film does throughout is it makes you feel like you're in that room with the characters. And that's yeah. very hard to do. Yeah. And to, and to your like, point earlier about Deacons kind of being this guy that kind of doesn't get in the way, um, I think one of that 
you know, part of that also, there's a lot of stuff that, he, there's a lot of cinematographers that are, I think, really, you know, flashy and some in a good way. Like, I'm a big, you know, Robert Richards fan, you know, who did, you know, the Tarantino guy and Oliver Stone guy and Scorsese guy. And it's just a super flashy, you know, it's very, very, you know, uh, cinematic and it's very, you know, it's very in your face. Uh, but you're sort of aware of it where, like, there's some stuff, like, I can't even really describe a lot of stuff that Deacons does just because it's it's almost as like you don't really like you don't really note like you don't notice it I don't notice it necessarily on a kind of conscious level and um, it's just something that takes with someone who has you know used the camera and you know studied some of this stuff it is it's one it's one of these things where I can go back um, I put I've watched this movie a couple times you know without any sound you know, not just no dialogue and no, you know, there's no score obviously, but just, and just kind of sat and watched it. And, it. and it's one of those movies where I'm still like, I you learn different stuff. You get caught into different things. What, I mean, like what Patrick was talking about earlier, I mean, the clouds at the beginning, I'm just like, this is, you know, West Texas, but all of a sudden it's this sort of like kind of, you know, almost magical kind of feeling and, you know, not to get, you know, too hyperbolic, but, it's just to me it's one of those movies that I can't from a just a visual standpoint you know I can't watch enough but um, but I took one of the things I there are some movies that I will defend to my life like if you don't like them I think you're an asshole and I just you know but this give us the list yeah let's <laughs> yeah. get into it Patrick <laughs> I, with every single one of them I'll be like <laughs> well Patrick I already not quite my time um, yeah <laughs> No, but this movie, I think it, because it's sort of going for a very specific tone and message, I totally understand it. You know, if you're kind of like, eh, like, you know, it's not for me. Like, you know, and to your, you know, to your credit, I mean, you still notice that it's, you know, it's good acting, it's good stuff, but it's like not, you know, for you. And I think that's, that's one of the things about a lot of good movies. Like there's a lot of good movies. Uh, there's a lot of like good TV shows um, mm -hmm. You know, some shows like The Wire and some stuff that I don't like because they're like, like too real, you know, and they're too right. kind of, right. they do their job too well. And I just don't, you know, that's not what I want. I don't kind of relate to them like that. I think I had a point somewhere, but, you know, I'll throw it off to somebody else. Yeah. <laughs> Well, next week on the podcast. I just like this uh, movie. And I like talking about it. So, uh, you know, honestly, and I'm going to throw something out there that really, I don't know if you guys have seen this, but The Seventh Seal. Um, have you have you guys ever seen any anyone seen that seen first part? The Bergman movie, uh, yeah, Ingrid Bergman movie. This is sort of Ingrid? like you mean you mean Igmar 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 <laughs> Bergman. <laughs> and this is I didn't know she directed movies. This so. podcast is brought to you by Stone IPA, uh, which is what I'm drinking over here. I don't know what every, we'll talk about everybody else's drinks, but I uh, highly recommend uh, checking it she out. She directed the Eighth Sign. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, wasn't too popular. Uh, wild strawberries. Wild strawberries is another version. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, this is sort of a similar version of that. Um, if you take these and you kind of lay the stories down of like how Tommy Lee Jones and his character, um, I, when I'm you know was watching, I sort of kind of got this little vibe off of it, and it's like, oh, that's kind of interesting. But I, I can see how. This could be sort of they used a little bit of that formula and sort of dropped it into this, um, which I think is great because that's that's what great filmmaking is: is take something that's 
you know, and then turn your own twist to it, not copy it, but put your own version of it and style on it. So, um, you know, there were some, some things that too, and, and when I, I just did a little research before this was watching on this film and, and, and one of the things that kind of threw me was that Heath Ledger was actually considered for this role as a I Le- Levine. Yes. And that's kind of, kind of hard to believe that as Llewellyn, Llewellyn. Yeah. He turned it yeah. down. Right. Ken. Yeah. He turned it down. Yeah. He Wasn't he working down, on something else though at the time? Or he's about well, to do I think the that was part of it, but it was one of the things that I think he was, you know, considering. Um, and, and I just thought about, it. I was like, how, how different would it have been with his care? And I think it would actually not been as good in my opinion. Um, I think it would have been a little bit too much. I, and I don't know, cause he's a great actor, but, uh, you know, it might've been a completely different feel when for is, this. When is dark night? It's like the same. It's like, yeah, it might've been right the around the same time. time I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Squeaker. It was 2008. It was like, it was the next year. Yeah. I think 2008 he, uh, was dark night. So I the next he year, sh- he didn't take this to do that. Well, and, and that was one of the things he's probably like, you know, I already wore a cowboy outfit and had to kiss a boy. Well, and the other thing was, <laughs> you know, that, Darko. They kicked out Josh <laughs> Brolin in the him. in the first his his auditions. They didn't care for him as much, and then he actually said, "Hey, look, I want to do an audition in front of him." And got in front of uh, the Cohen brothers, and then they were like, "This is our guy. This is this is it." Yeah. But he also another thing which is really interesting is he had broke his uh, or uh, yeah he broke his shoulder, shoulder. or yeah. right before yeah, this um, in a role that he was doing. Accident? Yeah. yeah. And uh, and so that was one of the things when they were describing like the when the dog jumps at him was you know he was it was like a you know kind of a thing of him having to deal with that and the dog there's a big scary scene there um, with for that but it but it's interesting that he ends up landing this role um, and and I think it fits to the story of you know how it all played out so but uh, yeah you know perfect yeah well because like to Squeaker what was like on. What had Josh Brolin done before No Country for Old Men, like IMDb? Like, I don't know. Coonies. Yeah, I mean, to me, he was. <laughs> it was a long gap. He did something else before that that was impressive. And, 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 have and to, he, was doing, he was doing, he was a TV actor for a while, and I already yeah. forgot the name of the show that I was talking about. Uh, the Long Riders or something like that. The, uh, young Riders? Is young young riders. riders. Yeah, because they had a guy named Teaspoon. Hey, yeah. there's only one T in this. <laughs> no, you know who played a uh, teaspoon was uh, uh, Anthony Zerb, who was in uh, he was in the Matrix as one of the council people. Uh, he was the bad guy in the Omega Man with Charlton Heston. I'm just really trying to waste time. Well, he was also in the Grishan Squeaker. He was also in the uh, <laughs> he was in the Grindhouse movie. Yeah, um, he had a small part right in that, and then yeah, and that was what he came off him right after his injury too. Oh, that's right, that's right. Yeah, right. The, the dead Josh girl, yeah, yeah, yeah. into the blue. Yeah, into the blue was one he was in, which is not the greatest. Oh, that that okay. I I think that movie is not horrible. Yeah, am I the only one here that it's not? That? No, that's it's a not, glowing it's not bad. glowing it's not endorsement. Bad. Yeah. I think <laughs> that movie is not horrible. It has. Ish. It has some of the <laughs> some really good underwater photography. Yes. Yes, it did. And I don't think you know, I've seen it. A still in his prime, Paul Walker. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, that was right. Too soon. That was too soon. Uh, that's too soon. <laughs> yeah. 
Paul Walker's best work was in Tammy and the T-Rex. Prove me wrong. Oh, my God. That was so good. And I think we, uh, we might have actually seen that one together recently, We Patrick. did. We saw it yeah. on the big screen. Yeah, it was so good. I was like, oh, my God. Paul uh, Walker watch like that with had a, diapers it's, on. It's fun to watch that with a lot of people in the room. That's for sure. Um, After a few beers. Yes, yes. And some meth. <laughs> I sent Uncle Max Thumbbuster and Badge over to the Rangers putting their museum Daddy ever tell you how Uncle Mac come to his reward gunned down on his own porch over in Hudspeth County seven or eight of them come up there Oh, wanting this, wanting that. Uncle Mac went back in the house to get the shotgun. Well, there's a head of him. Shot him in his doorway. Ain't Ella come out and tried to stop bleeding. Uncle Mac all the while trying to get that shotgun. They just sat there on their horses, watching him die. After a while, one of them said something in Indian, and they turned and left out. Uncle Mac knew the score even if Aunt Ella didn't. Shot through the left lung. And that was that, as they say. When did he die? 1909. Oh, I mean, was it right away or in the night or when was it? I believe it was that night. She buried him the next morning, digging in that hard old caliche. What you got ain't nothing new. This country's hard on people. You can't stop what's coming. They ain't all waiting on you. What's the most you've ever lost That's in a vanity. coin toss? <laughs> a coin. Yep. <laughs> About a nickel. A nickel. All right. <laughs> what was your <laughs> thoughts on the coin toss and how? Well, how long were you were you waiting to drop that? <laughs> I, I've been holding off on this one till the end. It did, it did I, sound I mean, like, at all. Oh, I was I'm like, really I can't good. wait. That's going to be a conversation starter. Like, no <laughs> I was like, okay, they will definitely not un get this one. They will not, you know, even though Patrick's watched it three times, he will not understand what I'm <laughs> asking now. Patrick's going to go, I lost my virginity, actually. Surprisingly. <laughs> <laughs> Javier Bardeen. And Good he choice. Good choice. Yeah. Wearing that and wig. <laughs> you or him. Those English Taking bats. turns. Taking turns. <laughs> but the oh, hairstyle wasn't on his head. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it wasn't on his head. I just want to know. Was it, or was it, Patrick? Were you, were you yeah, scrubbing yeah. his back or was he scrubbing yours? That's the question. <laughs> So, oh, wow. you thought that we wouldn't get what is the most you've lost in a coin toss? Uh, no, I just wanted something to start this uh, okay. and get so, some, some interesting conversation going back that we have here. At so. least he got a response. Usually, Kent's like, So, it, what did you guys think? And there's usually <laughs> like a 12 minute, blah, blah, blah. A 12 minute pop where like they've Crickets. all fallen off the internet. So. Dead pause <laughs> and Kent going, Okay, well, uh. <laughs> so I did like uh, the line. Um, 
when the the convenience store guy said I didn't put anything up for it, and he said you've been putting it up your whole life, you I just know. Didn't know it. That was the, <laughs> there's that was a great. There's line. a lot of good. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of good little one lines. There's not a lot of dialogue, but there's a lot of good lines. Yeah, I yeah. use the line. I use a I paraphrase it, but it's all it's whatever Josh Brolin says. What, what's the actress Kelly McDonald plays his wife, the Scottish mm-hmm. actress. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, if you don't shut your mouth, I'm gonna screw you. That line. Yeah. That's a that, that's a winner. You ever, yeah. You know. If you ever on a big date talk. or anything. Yeah. Big, <laughs> big talk. Yeah. Big talk. <laughs> that gets you laid every single time, doesn't it? <laughs> he, he says that to cops when he gets pulled over. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Big talk. <laughs> T-Bone's life matters. <laughs> so you know, this was a, this came out during a time when there was a lot of movies going. You know, there were good movies coming out this uh, this year. Uh, Squeaker, you probably have a list of what came out at the same time. But we you know one of the films that I think compares uh, to this, No Country for Old Men, and um, came out around the same time with There Will Be Blood. Um, what were your thoughts? Did did you do you sometimes confuse the two of them together? Oh, they're well, totally different. Yeah, but we. I I've mean, it's, it almost those. seems like you, you take the two. T- like the two titles are like interchangeable almost for yeah. those movies. Like you could you could watch you know Daniel Day Lewis and Paul Dano in No Country for Old Men, and it would sort of. <laughs> You know, work. You know, both titles yeah. fit both movies. You could you could definitely Josh flip Brolin either one. Josh Brolin you know, square off it. Paul Dano is far too awkward to have played Llewellyn. Oh my God, it would have been like, <laughs> is he is he a child molester or a um like you know he has somebody a married Every movie him? I just meant the titles of the movie, not the not, not the cast. Oh, <laughs> oh. yeah. I never confused them uh, because. And there's another. I know everyone loves there. Or, there will be blood, but you know it's okay. It's long. It well, is. So, long. I mean, but it, it was the long. clear. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. It was the clear favorite to win uh, best picture. That yes. Year. Oh that's well, let's correct. put it this way. My favorite movie of any year is never the clear winner of the year. So. <laughs> Same. <laughs> Although we did really so, good with our award-winning picks this year. We last did. Year. We did. Very and it'll good. never happen again. It'll never happen again because Parasite really was Kent and my favorite movie yeah. of the year. That was so, so good. It was so. Good. It was, but we also you try to think for the Academy and you try to think for like yeah. selling a show. And as soon as it won the. Uh, the new international film, best international film. Kent and I went, oh, that's how they're going to cover not giving it best picture by giving it this modified new award. And then when it won best picture, I don't know about you, Kent, but I'd done shit in my pants. I jumped out of the room. I was literally (laughs) on top of the ceiling. I got got plane tickets to South Korea. (laughs) And I saw it at the Manor Theater. That's right. Yeah. We saw it. We saw it. at the Charlotte, at Film, the Festival. Charlotte Film Festival, yeah, it was like the last. Even came out in the theater, so uh, yeah, it was the last night, and we were raving about oh, it. Then. So good, God, compared so to good. our little friend who slept through it. Yes, we had we had one of those that actually <laughs> slept the whole way. We won't talk what? about you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, somebody actually slept through Parasite. Yeah. How do you sleep through Parasite? But he <laughs> I did. Don't know, man. Hey, man, he was tired. We got to give him. He was tired. He was tired. You drink that much beer, you're gonna have yeah. to sleep. Yeah, I was gonna yeah. say, yeah. was he was he drinking the beer? Was he was he smoking the dope? Yeah, we don't the know. Dope. We don't know. All of the above, maybe. Uh, who knows? I don't think he was smoking the dope, but <laughs> he was drinking the beer. <laughs> and then Kent um, and I are so into this movie. At the end, you're like, it's awesome, and he's like, yeah. <laughs> uh, what did I miss? Yeah. You know, Patrick, I, the only, I think the only movie I fell asleep in was. 
uh, Final Fantasy, The Spirits Within, or whatever that fucking shitty movie was. You ever see the you know, live act? Uh, I have not seen that. I mean, it was sort of that. like a it was sort of like a technical achievement, I guess. You know, at the point it was that sort of so like that CG kind of full movie, but man, I drank a couple of Budweisers and it sleep. happens. I've, yeah. I've fallen asleep. Uh, I fell asleep during Dick Tracy. Did you guys oh, think this was uh, such a freaky movie? This film was too too <sighs> um, violent. Um, Patrick, did you think that 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 was the case with this? It was too violent for you. Well, I mean, it's one of these movies that's very violent towards dogs. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> but it was it was very violent, and then you have the contrast of when Llewellyn uh, obviously meets his demise, where you don't see it. And I know they're trying to show him as a sociopath, but you know, there's still a little part of me that likes the Hitchcock approach. Mm-hmm. And we pretty much saw every, aside from Llewellyn, who probably did get killed by the cartel. Uh, Aside from Llewellyn, we saw everybody, everything that got killed, get killed, pretty much. So uh, that little compressor thing up to that guy just to get his car, he said, don't move. Yeah. I was like, we could have cut away maybe a little bit. I don't know, sooner or something like that. But the Coen brothers do seem to like blood. But Miller's Crossing is well, very bloody. Speaking of blood, they actually, this is a very there interesting will be trivia. <laughs> <laughs> so so normal, normal, like, fake blood... Um, it's like a sugar-based yes, yes. fake blood, okay? And in this film, because they were working in the desert and it was so hot, it was uh, it was attracting yeah. flies uh, um, yeah. crazily Ants. And, Ants. and all that, too. That's how you get it. So they ended up having... This is really interesting, <laughs> though, to me. The, the props... They had to end up ordering from England the special prop of fake blood. Um, there will be and blood it cost $800 a gallon. Hold it on. was really real looking, though. Yes. Really real looking. And, and it I was think all that, from dogs. And I think <laughs> it really works in this, too, because... Son of a bitch. I, and I really remember this, um, watching it and going, it, it, the blood looks real. Like, not a lot of times, you know what they'll do is on sets, they'll have a, a plastic hard kind of like acrylic structure that's in yeah. the shape of the however big the blood is or whatever you want. And they'll have that, and then they'll they'll use this other type of blood that they you know normally use, and they pour on it. Well, in this case, it, you know they used a lot of that. I didn't see much of the fake acrylic stuff. I can usually spot and go, "That's fake blood," you know. But I didn't see that at all in this. All the blood looked real. Um, the blood and, did look very good. And I guess at eight hundred dollars a gallon, it should look real, right? Yeah. Well, it was it was that expensive just so it wouldn't attract the the bugs. And right. I don't know what they. Uh, I don't know what they put in it. I know there's a lot Turpentine, of blood formulas. Probably. <laughs> oh god! I don't know. You, know you don't put that on a human being's head often, uh, <laughs> if it's a union film. Right. Uh, but I remember when they went to start adding detergent into the blood formulas so that it would get out of people's costumes and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And even that would throw off the color just a little so, bit, right? Mm-hmm. But this was some good looking, some good looking blood. Yeah, and uh, it was the right texture and viscosity it wasn't like goopy like fake blood often looks it looked real it looked like it flowed like real blood Mm -hmm. like when he touches his side and it like oozes out you're like oh my god he's bleeding like if you had a blood fetish this movie would be just mm -hmm. 
Just right up your alley. But I think it was done. I think it was done. Cats pajamas. Done well in the fact. No pajamas for old cats. That's the sequel coming. Directed by Meow Meow. She's a Korean director. Well, I'll tell you what my favorite part of the movie is, and you're probably going to be like, you're a moron, but when Llewellyn wakes up, when he wakes up and the mariachi band is playing, oh, oh, and he's great. like, he pulls the money. If I had out a of nickel, Patrick. You know, every time someone said that, I'd still only have one nickel. I think it's hysterical <laughs> that the mariachi band went. Who should we play for next? Oh, let's play for that man who's lying asleep on the stairs. Yeah. <laughs> and then he gets up and they're like, oh shit, he's bloody. Oh, no. Ooh. He has money. So I know we right, kind that of. That was my mariachi accent, so let's move on. I know we kind of briefly touched on this earlier, but let's uh, discuss the ending because I think it is, you know, the vital part. Do you like the ending? Uh, no ending for old men. Yeah, you know? no ending. I mean. <laughs> In in a sense, it's you know it's kind of him telling us his dream story at the end. Did you relate to it or did you not like it? Did you want more? Let's discuss it because I think it's it's what some people kind of get stuck on this film, you know, and that, and I think it's a shame that it it does. But what are y'all's thoughts on this? It didn't bother me at all, to be honest with you. I kind of liked it, but uh, the first time I hated it. Yeah, I, I was the, surprised I, by it. Surprised when that I saw it was the movie ending. in the. Th- when I saw the movie in the theater, I went, what the shit? The <laughs> I was He's at the dead. theater and I heard somebody say that. Now we know who it was. <laughs> yeah. If I had a nickel for every time. So. <laughs> but it was just so, well, when I first saw it, I'm like, oh, I feel douched, man. They fucking douched me on this movie. The uh, Coen's douched me, man. They douched me, man. You guys Lady don't even know what it feels like to be douched. <laughs> Stop it. To be fair, Patrick, you maybe, say that about a lot of things, though. Maybe we do. <laughs> well, Patrick well, douches once a week, so it's okay. So, hey, a little vinegar. Patrick, I had no idea. Vinegar in the the joy holes. Oh, okay, Come right. Right. nothing to complain about. We'll trade notes later. <laughs> right, we're better. losing notes. We're losing it. All right. <laughs> um, so, so uh, going I, back I to it, it was okay. I thought the ending. I thought the ending was. Uh, now that I watch it, I'm like, okay, cool. Yeah, I'm all right with it because the 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 big resolution. We're I mean, it's a chase movie that ends three quarters through the movie. Yeah. So after that, anything else that happens, it's kind of like either you're gonna be like, well, fuck them. Cohen brothers or you're gonna be like oh, okay all right like you don't know what happens to uh anton besides he gives money to a little boy and gets his clothes all right it wasn't that little <laughs> yeah just a shirt it, all right, no, no, it's yeah. kind of weird i'll give you my shirt mister I, i'm gonna go <laughs> in, I'm, I'm gonna go into this aspect now and ask you this is this your favorite and I'll just go around the room here is this your favorite Cohen brother movie because i think this is kind of interesting to hear what is your, and it, and if not, tell us what yours is. <laughs> or not. Okay, no, it's not my favorite Cohen Brothers movie. <laughs> I had no Miller's, idea, Patrick. Miller's Crossing, Miller's Crossing, which I watched again this week, is still my hands down favorite of uh, the Cohen Brothers. I might be a little bit biased because I'm Irish, uh, and where I grew up, it was very Irish Italian uh, loggerheads. Very often. I mean, it was turtles? Tommy. Turtle heads? Sorry. <laughs> no, I, I took a dump before the podcast. Uh, and uh, 
it just I have never like I'm not a Coen Brothers fan. I like what I like of theirs. Mm. Like Christopher yeah. Nolan could probably film somebody taking a dump on a moving train, and I would think it was fucking brilliant. The audio <laughs> might be too loud. But Wasn't uh, that the plot in Interstellar, I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know what that movie's about, so yeah, that could have been about that. Oh, you're the you're the anti-me. I had figured that movie out in the first fifteen minutes and made people angry at me because I yeah. said it out loud. Like, shut up. And then I had to wait two hours and fifteen minutes to go, aha. <laughs> so speaking Boom. of aha moments, Laura, is this your favorite Cohen film? No, no. I, I like this one a lot, but my favorites um, waver back and forth between Oh Brother and um, Hudsucker Proxy. Wow. Hudsucker Proxy is like the best New Year's Eve movie mm. I've ever seen. Yeah. It's real oh. fun. How um, you and I, and I love a good comedy. It's, uh, comedy is my favorite. Right. Squeaker, how about I don't you? I like their comedies. Yeah. Uh, no, it's not my favorite. I, it's, What's your favorite I one? I, I, I think I know, but when I ask Well, I, I know we've talked about one before. I love Inside Lewin Davis. Yeah. I don't know oh, if it's my favorite one. either. Um, I they like that like name, Patrick Llewellyn, I, don't they? Yes. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's actually Lewin. It's different. Lewin. Sorry. My bad. They cut a syllable off. Huge mistake, Laura. I'm sorry. But I, I do like Patrick. I love uh, Miller's Crossing and Fargo. You can't really go wrong with Fargo. Right. Yeah. Oh, Fargo. Yeah, Fargo is great. It's funny. The comedies that I've seen have been like the no burn something after burn reading. Burn after reading. I didn't even think that was a uh, comedy. <laughs> it was like, I think it was as a comedy. I think because of uh, <laughs> of the Thelma and Louise kid, Brad Pitt. Uh, <laughs> I forgot his name. Can't he be the true romance kid? Yeah. Right. Oh, he was great in true romance. <laughs> <laughs> T-Bone, what, what was your favorite of, of all well, T-Bone, I mean, T-Bone's going to go out on a limb and say, uh, no, I mean, I I have a, a very difficult Answer time. Answer the question. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> uh, I have a very difficult time. It's very stressful to pick, to delineate specific favorite ones. Uh, okay. But, but yeah, it's one, of, it's one of the ones I like re-watching the most because I do like... You know, I like their more kind of action-heavy kind of you know movies, like Miller's Crossing. Um, you know, like like Blood Simple is. It's sort of like to me a, a more well-made, uh, sparse. Like um, I heard one. You know, I was listening to some podcasts about this this movie, and like there's one guy is like, you know, Blood Simple sort of takes place around the same time. It's kind of interesting to think about. Maybe this was happening like the town over. Um, mm-hmm. But, I mean, it's definitely, I juggle it with it being one of my favorite comedies, yeah. Yeah, I, I, it is to me, too. I mean, I, I, I do love Fargo, and I love the Big, Big Lebowski, I think. Uh, you know, and, and actually, all three of them, I could flip any, any of those around and say that yeah, would be. Um, I'm not, uh, you know, I think there's a film, too, and I thought some one of this group would actually come up with, I thought The Man Who Wasn't There would have been one of you guys uh favorites in this yeah um yeah. because it's kind I of a that was the, uh, quirky that, you know film noir I that was kind the invisible of man movie with uh with uh, dan Aykroyd. no uh, well, <laughs> you mean chevy chase you could probably flip characters and it might be the same thing. Yeah. um but no, i was surprised movie, at that. <laughs> but uh you know i think think that's um kind of the thing about it is that each 
person relates to different films that they have, and they're very quirky kind of films, and they come up with different. And True Grit's another one that we didn't even you know discuss, but that's love True Grit, amazing, love amazing film. Um, and I, I I put that in my mix of the uh, probably the four that I would flip around, and, and any of them could be number one for me. I don't. They're all. all I like well the done. ending of No Country for Old Men much better than the ending of True Grit. Oh, I do too. I agree with you. I, I love it. I kind of feel cheated by the ending of uh, True Grit. I, I agree 100%. True Grit to me didn't end the way I wanted it. Um, and I think had that ended the way I had maybe how envisioned. Did it, how did it end? Didn't he, did she, the little girls like grown up and tell them she the story? She grows up and then she goes to the grave of Rooster Cogburn and yeah. that's the end of the yeah, fucking that's movie. that's it. Yeah, I just, I, I wanted more there. What did you want, a monologue? She should go like, <laughs> maybe, maybe a I monologue thought. would have helped it. I don't know, but it, it was, I thought it was really good and I still enjoyed it. I just thought that there, I don't know. I just, I, it would have been something a little different. I think would have made it, made that ending a little better for me. I don't know. That's just my thoughts. Uh, yeah, that's okay. Yeah. So, speaking of which, uh, let's talk about what we have next. Uh, Wait, are we done? Are we done with this? This one? Well, I mean, you guys want to tell me? You want to talk about anything else? We're rolling along at sixty-two minutes here. I so. want. I want to mention that there was a whole lot of boots in this movie. I feel like boots and feet are well, very was... significant. I don't know. I don't know exactly why, except that they they move you around from place to place, but. Um, well, I think Boots there was, and feet, very important in this movie. I think there was a lot of use of the low angle camera shots on this. Um, and they were, you know, the description it showed, I think there was a lot of definition into the shoes of, you know, how each person was different. But there was a ton of like low, low angle shots, you're right, throughout this movie. And, um, and I think some of them were really cool the way they used that, those shots. And then they would kind of lead from that into like POVs of uh, point of views of, you know, the character. Um, and the, and one thing they did in this film too. Speaking of which, I, I didn't touch on earlier, but is um, they, there's a there's a really unique way of showing a point of view shot where you're kind of seeing the action, um, you know, kind of through the character's eyes. But what happens is that then they allow the character to walk through the frame, and then the camera comes up from behind them. And they did that numerous times in this, and it just works like works so well it can either come off and bite you in the ass and like come off as a bad thing but i thought it was so well done but there there is a ton of boots in this shot and and they and and it's really i don't know if that was part of trying to show the characters but also <laughs> sorry all of my 13 year old self is just giggling yeah you know plus it's just funny i could like see a quote from you know gene siskel going like this boots. movie is the boots <laughs> The best of the boots. It, but, All about boots. But I think that was showing boot, the characters. Boot, boot. Too, Kinky boots. You know? But you're right. There's a lot of like, if I, and I, I was watching this and I kept thinking, someone's it's got Texas. a foot fetish. Yeah. You know? Well, uh, well like, but boots are important like, in Texas. Well, like, where does it, this is, all I was thinking when Laura was talking about is like, the, I mean, what did the Tarantino foot, I mean, the foot fetish, I mean, did he get that as a joke and start running with it? Like, do people actually have foot fetishes? And oh, yeah, they do. There's, oh, I know. Yeah. Oh, yeah, like, yeah. Believe um, me. Laura and I know one guy that has one to know. He has a <laughs> foot fetish to know to desire. I think so, feet are possibly yeah. the most disgusting thing. And it, when you accidentally run across a foot fetish site, 
<laughs> how, do you, how are you accidentally running across? Well, accidentally. When you type in, for Patrick, he's typing in midgets and foot fetish, and it comes yeah, actually, up. I don't know what dude, happens. Dude, I was say, when you're on porn not to be, or porno tube, as you plebeians call it, uh, and you're looking for the, for the little person's channel. <laughs> Give me a second. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about what we're doing next week <laughs> on our podcast. Uh, what's our, our, our? So we chose a, a cool movie for the next one. So we're going to be I discussing Cool Hand Luke. Oh, right. yeah. So I think that's going to be fun. We're going to get a little Paul Newman action there going on. And Ladies, you're going to love it. Yes. Give it a watch. Give it, it's give it, give it, give it, give it a watch now. Give it, give it a look. See, <laughs> <laughs> it's a really good movie, and I think it'll be fun for us to get into it. It's but let's now, also talk about wow. let's talk about what we've been watching uh, in this last week too. Uh, so, uh, Laura, we'll start off with you. Anything you've seen this week that's been exciting? Okay, so Patrick forced me, came over and held a gun to my head and forced me to watch two whole seasons of Umbrella Academy all at once. Oh, my God. And let me just say, it's like some of the best shit I've ever seen in my life. It's so fun. I love it. Like, Klaus is, I want to grow up to be Klaus. (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. Uh, Squeaker, what have you been watching? Uh, I've been watching a lot of TV. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That's great. You don't say. Um, Has has anybody ever watched a show on Netflix called, well, it's on, I think, TBS, or no, True TV, but it's on Netflix too called I'm Sorry. No, but I've seen that. I haven't watched it, yeah. I I think it's one of the funniest shows on Netflix. One of the funniest shows I've I've ever seen, maybe. Hmm. Um, And then I started watching Cobra Kai, which is now on Netflix. Oh, wow. Um, Patrick, have you talked about that before? I feel like someone has talked about that. I might have mentioned it because I saw the first season of it and was like, this is fun. This it is really is like <laughs> I think uh, it's show and I actually watched the first episode of season one last night because I didn't realize it had come to Netflix. It used to be on YouTube Red or something. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's Premium. it's about as perfect a sequel like a, you know, 20, 30 year later sequel as you could make. Oh, yeah, it's fantastic. And the flashbacks. That. Yeah. Uh, T-Bone, anything you've been watching? T-Bone! T-Bone! You've been not watching any Seinfeld, but you've been watching the convention. That's what you've been watching. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The plane. Has anybody seen the plane? Anyways, I'll leave it at that. Um, No, so I have this weird thing where I limit myself to only one, like, streaming service at a time. Otherwise, the anxiety builds to such a degree that I literally spend 45 minutes creating, like, you know, the perfect you know, curated my list of like stuff to watch and I end up just going crazy and I like I have to find this perfect thing that will fulfill me at that moment. So anyways, uh, enough about my neuroses, but so I've been, I identify uh, with that. I, I get like, that. <laughs> so I forced myself, so I've been, I forced myself, this is pretty strong uh, phrasing, but uh, YouTube Max came out with like they re, like HBO rebranded, I didn't rebrand, but they added up kind of a bunch of stuff. And um, I'm a, a big fan of the Criterion channel. Yeah. Like if, I don't know if any of you guys. I've got the um, service. I actually have their service. I love it. It's great. And sadly, I, I canceled it for a few months. I'm going to, I'll rejoin it. But um, when um, HBO because, Max? Because HBO Max has a bunch of Criterion movies. So they have, 
you know, they have now like, you know, all these, you know, movies like Seven Samurai and like 400 Blows and, you know, all the, you know, Bicycle Thieves and all this kind of, you know. Citizen Kane. Citizen Kane is on there, yes. But I watched. Breaking Two Electric Boogaloo. No, don't have that one. They don't have that one. But they do have Treasure of the Sierra Madre, which. Is a very, I'm a big, I'm a, they have Casablanca as well, and I'm a big Bogart mm. guy. And that's actually on HBO right now, too. Uh, Casablanca. Yeah, that's what, yeah. Um, We're talking about HBO Max. Max. Yeah. Max. Which has the Criterion films. And so it's a very, it's a, to me, it's a very different Bogart because it's a very, he always kind of plays a rough and kind of grumbly kind of guy, but he plays like, a, like the most unlikable Bogart. Um, that I can think of in any movie, and it's just the the way they deal with kind of the, the you know the paranoia and all that kind of stuff, and uh, it's just a beautifully shot film. And I just like uh, like those kind of. I'm going through some of those ASC American Society Cinematographer kind of top 100 lists and those kind of things. Yeah, that's cool. That's good to get to do because you can see you find out like some of the quality films that were made in the past, and 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 I think it gives you some different perspective. And if you actually uh, if you actually are a member of the Criterion Collection, it's really cool because they have a lot of like uh, interviews with directors and uh, yeah, cinematographers, yeah. and they talk about the film. And I've been I, I go through and I, I, a lot of times I watch a film that I've already seen, and I watch it with their their uh, uh, their kind of their reviews on it, which is just it's so cool to like hear someone else you know talking about it and as they're going through it, um, especially well, I when. Grew it's, up- yeah, and I, I grew up with like DVDs, and so one of the coolest things about DVDs was all the director's commentary, and that's sort of unfortunately kind of fallen by the wayside. And one of the great things, that, like you were talking about, the Criterion channels, they have, you know, a lot of times they have the, they, these commentaries, and they also have, you know, just interviews on the stuff. And, and um, it's the best way to learn about filmmaking is to hear other, the, you know, whoever made the film or whoever the cinematographer was discussing the film and like details and you know, hey we use this lighting or we use this or you know I, I think that's the way to watch it and really learn um, I, I love it because you pick up little nuances about you know interesting filmmaking techniques and, and I think that's a cool thing um, Pat, Patrick what have you been watching I watched a little bit of everything I watched Young Frankenstein I finally oh, yes. my nice. I followed that up with He's fucking up. Everyone yeah. in that movie Brilliant. is great, though. Brilliant. Yeah. But uh, I followed it up with Frankenstein, The True Story, which was Ooh. a BBC uh, television entry from the 70s with Ooh. Michael Sarazin as the creature and uh, James James Mason. And, oh, uh, James Mason, I love it him. It was awesome. I watched... Uh, where, is he, where is he from, Patrick? James Mason? Yeah. England? England? England. Because he, he's British. I thought he was Welsh or something weird. Or oh, he could be. I don't know his exact location. I mean, Maui it's all the same dead, to Patrick. It's all the same. Uh, I saw. I, Damn, it's it's all this. Sorry. <laughs> there are a country the, over there. That's all it is. They are. I saw the. Uh, I finally saw King of Staten Island. Oh yes. With oh yeah. Pete I need to watch that. Yeah. It's, I enjoyed it. It's, I, a, it's a very fun. It's a very Heartfelt. fun movie, and uh, uh, yeah. Oh, and I, the last thing I wanted to talk about, I talked to Kent about this. Uh, a, a dude I worked with on a movie years ago uh, named Justin Robinson shot a documentary called My Brother Jordan about oh, his brother who passed. Yeah. His brother had passed away in uh, 2007, 2008. Yeah. And uh, he 
has been working years on this documentary. It's an hour long documentary that you could watch. Uh, oh, I think I sent it to you guys too, didn't I? The link. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I watched For, it. It's, it's on YouTube. I, yeah, he did it's a on great YouTube job and Vimeo it. right yeah. now. And it's really just a, he did a, yeah, check it out. YouTube, my brother Jordan or yeah. Vimeo, my brother Jordan. Yeah. Uh, and it was really, it was a it's, it's very touching. nicely done. Yeah, it's, it's very well. It's, it's a great, just, a, a, a great, um, Tribute. Tribute to his, his brother, and I, I think it's very well done. Um, so there's a lot of laughs in it, too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's a, funny, laugh like, he's a funny guy. Yeah. If you've ever met him on set, I mean, he's a... What do you, what do you mean, funny? Like, is know, he like a clown? I make the laugh? The way he tells the story, you know. He's a good storyteller. He's a good storyteller. So He's awesome. He's very awesome. So check that out. Yeah. And besides that, I don't know. I, I, I watch stuff nonstop. I'm the anti-T-bone. Yeah. I'm like, oh, every <laughs> streaming service at the same time. If I could watch four movies at one time, you remember the split screen things I used to do? Two shows picture in picture. Oh, picture in yeah. picture, I'd be like, I'm watching Citizen Kane. Yeah. If I could do it, I could figure out. If I could, if I could follow two stories at one time, that's what I'd be doing too, um, Patrick. Um, I w- actually, you know, it was funny because you started on the uh, Frankenstein, and I, I started back on like the Count Dracula, and, and I watched. Uh, the Christopher Lee Crown, Count Dracula, oh, you know, and uh, Hammer, Hammer yeah. films. Yeah, and, and yes. actually, I went back and I actually watched Miller's Crossing before this too. And um, oh, I watched that too. Yeah, <laughs> it was fun to watch. But uh, I, I finally got a chance to watch Richard Jewell, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, oh yeah, you know, it's it, good. It's very entertaining. It's an interesting. Uh, det- I guess it. It's a great vision of Clint Eastwood and showing the two sides of the story, you know, and how it could be easily interpreted the way it turned out. Um, and you also realize that how manipulative, uh, the media is and what, and the media? Know, what? <laughs> especially <laughs> nowadays, uh, fake news. Yeah. Shocked. Um, but I, I, another one I went back and watched and I, I've seen it before and, uh, and it was great to see my buddy, Reggie Kathy on there. Um, uh, Reggie, and e. Kathy. Uh, no, it was St. <laughs> Vincent. And if you haven't seen it, I highly recommend it. Is Melissa McCarthy? And, uh, Melissa McCarthy. Naomi Watts is Omar. amazing. Uh, yeah. That was it. a good movie. That was a really good movie. It's I enjoyed it. very it's good. Theater. And um, Bill Murray is in it, who plays the main character in it. And uh, just just really, really cute film to watch and just fun. And I, and I think it's a good one for anyone to, to watch. And, and you can watch it with – there's a few bad – Bad words, so I can't say you can almost watch it with anybody, but it's got a family friendly movie. I, I'll tell you, I started it and set. I just started this yeah. uh, series. Um, it's a Spanish film, so I know y'all are gonna love this, but it's on Amazon hey, right now. Spanish in this house, Kent. Yeah, yeah, that's why you have <laughs> subtitles, gentlemen and ladies. I build a wall in Is front the, of my uh, TV. <laughs> It's the Invisible um, Guardian uh, is the English version. El Guardian Invisible is the Spanish name of it. But uh, it's a uh, it's a uh, it's a, a, a serial killer thriller. Professor of a panic. And it's and it's one of three. There's three of them in this trilogy. And honestly, I I thoroughly enjoy it. It's very very captivating. I can't wait to dig into the other two. Um, I have to be a captive. Yeah, no, it's very. I mean, like me read them. There, it's kind of like I, I it's guess, not Lahaney. Just because you guys can't read doesn't mean you can't watch it anyway. Um, so uh, it's funny. I watch subtitles. I have subtitles on for everything. So. I know. Well, see, but that's the problem. Oh, I, can't, I can't. But see, that's that. the problem. Me you too. become so reliant upon the subtitles that you need to watch it without the subtitles. 
And then when you actually have a foreign film, you'll appreciate the foreign film and the subtitles. No, I like Uh, I like subtitles on foreign films. I can't do the dubs. I, I can't like do no, no dubs. Yeah, no dubs. No dubs, only well, subtitles. No, 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 no. Like, yeah, if you, no, no. It doesn't come no off dubs. the same no. way. No, no dubs. No dubs. I don't, no dubs. I don't no think dubs. I've it's ever. It's so weird. <laughs> yes. Yes, it's, I it's mean. Strange. Unless like you're Kate, watching you a, a, a good um, karate movie, so. <laughs> that right. is fun. Anyway. I won't, yeah. Kent, yes. you mentioned Melissa McCarthy, and I also watched Go. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go was so fun. Melissa McCarthy, I think it's the first time I ever saw her in a movie, what? and she plays uh, this roommate where uh, uh, Fox, what's his name? Scott, Scott Wolf, Fox, Scott, Scott Wolf and uh, Jay Moore uh, go to find this guy that they both cheated on each other with. And it's this female heavyset uh, roommate, and it's Melissa McCarthy. In probably the first role I had seen her in. That's one of the first ones I ever saw her. Hysterical. Yeah. Yeah. I need to watch that again. I haven't watched that in years. It's a good film. Yeah. I've got a copy. I used to watch it all the time. Yeah, I used to watch it all the time. I like Jay Moore. Jay Moore. Everybody was good in it. William Fichtner. Yeah. It was in. Everybody was good in it. I remember really liking that one. Yeah. And you know what else? Everybody else was really good in. All of you guys, y'all were great in this podcast. Aww. Aww. This is great. All right, I'll watch a Spanish movie. Yeah. So, Yay! <laughs> um, hey, look, we want to thank everybody for listening. And we I don't know if you guys had as much fun as we had, but we always have fun doing this. And um, Always. You know, because we love films. And, and we just hope you'll go out and rate, review, and subscribe to Adult beverage film podcast i mean all you got to do is click that subscribe button and it's really easy just click and uh then the next time we have our next one come up which uh will be coming up really soon and the next one after this one will be cool hand luke he's so, so cool he's so cool so uh make sure you get out and watch it and then listen to our podcast uh um, it'd probably be just as long as the movie. Um, <laughs> just put the on. movie on and listen to the podcast, <laughs> right. and you're set. That's it. So with anyway, an, we want an adult beverage in hand. That's right, and yes, definitely yes, get very that. important. Yep. So uh, we want to thank everybody for uh, listening once again, and uh, have a great weekend, and uh, keep telling your friends about us. Thanks, Adios. y'all. Appreciate it. Uh, be safe. Thank you for listening to Adult Beverage Film Podcast. This podcast has been brought to you by our sponsors, Bricks Wood-Fired Pizza, where they bring people together. They also have some of the best adult beverages around, so check them out. Be sure to visit adultbeverage.net on the web to find out more interesting facts about films and exciting bonus material. You have just listened to Laura, Patrick, and Kent, and Squeaker. Love our podcast? Head over to your favorite platforms such as Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes to subscribe, rate, review. That's this week's episode of Adult Beverage Film Podcast, and thank you for listening. New today on digital, Antoine Olivier Pilon with Jim Gaffigan and Josh Hartnett, star in the gripping crime thriller Most Wanted. Inspired by a true story, an investigative journalist fights to expose the twisted truth behind a heroin bust, orchestrated by dirty cops to frame an innocent man, sentencing him to life in a Thai prison. Own Most Wanted today on digital and Blu-ray.